This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Well, the Steelers have broken the seal on free agency as far as signing a player who wasn't a Pittsburgh Steeler in the 2020 season. They've made their first couple outside hires of the 2021 offseason, and let's dive right into it and let's start with Joe Haig, the offensive tackle formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, formerly of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for one season in 2020. Steelers signed him to a two-year, $4.6 million deal with a $1 million salary bonus, so not too, too much as far as salary given out to Joe Haig. Uh, As far as his credentials, he was a starter for the Colts in 2016 and 2017, uh, starting in 14 games in 16 and 15 games in 17. Uh, Injuries started to become a problem in this 2018 season. He only played in eight games, starting six of them. Played in all 16 games 2019, but he had fallen off the depth chart because of those injuries. And then for Tampa last year, he was a bench depth player, starting only three games for them, playing in in 12 He did play snaps in all of the playoff games, including 31% of the offensive snaps in the Super Bowl. So you're bringing in a guy in Joe Haig that's not a world beater. He's certainly not going to be the definitive starting left or right tackle whenever the Steelers kick off week one of the 2021 season. But I guess you're given a little bit of pedigree at the position. You're adding depth at that position. Uh, I know they play separate positions on the line, but... Comparing this signing to a B.J. Finney that they brought back, I would say that this guy at least has a little bit of a better track record in the NFL than Finney does. And I mean, he was on the Bucks last year. I mean, so I mean that he played 21 snaps in the Super Bowl. So yeah, you I can't mean, that, be too too bad if you're going to do that's that. That's experience. Yeah, you know? that tells you a little bit uh, about it. Yeah, um, and I mean, I think this is more of a of just a, a depth signing. And um, like we talked about, these are kind of guys at the bottom of the barrel that. You know, you take a chance on, and maybe they end up panning out. Maybe they play for you a little bit. Um, and like you said, Tom, I don't know if this is the defining starter, um, a tackle for the Steelers. But again, it it does address a need, and it addresses a um, a position group that um, you know is thin. And we've been talking about addressing that pretty much um, all off season long. Like you have to address these positions that um, you know are, are pretty thin, and, and tackle is one. So, um, you know, I don't know what Joe Hegg is. I don't know much about him. I mean, you kind of listed everything there is to list about him. Um, but, again, it does address a need. And, and at this point with, um, you know. The, it addresses the, it cheaply. Yeah, right. With the limited money that you have and it's cheap, um, that's fine. You know, I don't know much else about him. But it does. it definitely does address a need. This is just something that the Steelers should not be criticized of doing. Right. This was, as Callan said, addressing a need. This was a matter of depth, addressing depth, something the O-line has struggled with now with the, the retirement of Marquise Pouncey. And they shouldn't be criticized at all. I mean, it was this wasn't a dumb move by them. They didn't spend too much on this guy. So I don't know why anyone would criticize this move. It was oh, just, no, I think it's a it's a really a nothing move, honestly. It's a nothing move. It's, it's a very lateral move. It does nothing for you. It does nothing against you. But it... There's a much higher ceiling than there is a floor for this. Well, you're also trying to have a little, maybe have this kind of angle too with it. You can have a little bit of a, a renaissance project with Joe Haig. I mean, when he started in this league for the Colts in 2016 and 2017, he was their starter at right tackle. 16 games and uh, 17, 15 games and 16, starting 15 and 14 in those seasons. So he clearly came into the league with starting pedigree. 
injury in the 2018 season had him fall off the depth chart, and then he became more of a backup guy that's just going to give the starters a blow every once in a while or sub in due to injury. So I guess there's maybe the thought that you could catch a little lightning in a bottle here with him, and maybe he comes to camp and really impresses in a new situation. You know, he spent four seasons in Indianapolis. Tampa Bay last year was his uh, first team outside of the team he was drafted by the Colts. And he won a Super Bowl with them, and now he is on the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's got an absolute shot at winning one of these tackle spots. Just because uh, there's assuming really no that, one else, yeah, no real he, competition. And even if they do draft a rookie at one of those spots, which I still think is on the table, he'll be firmly planted in the competition there. And honestly, as far as the Steelers probably see the depth chart shaking out right now, would not be shocked if Banner is your starting left tackle and Joe Haig is your starting right tackle in front of Chooks as it stands right now. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could happen. And the thing, too, um, about him playing for Indianapolis, he started for two years, and like you said, injury kind of derailed that. Let's not forget that Indianapolis has one of the best offensive lines in football, and uh, that was built over the last you know two or three years. Oh, and, wow. oh, by the way, that's right when you know, Haig uh, you know, gets injured in, what, 2018, yeah. so... That's when they started, you know, adding some guys to that offensive line and becoming one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, you know, so I, I did say that I don't know much about Joe Haig, but the fact that he was starting for them, um, you know, and then they, they do become the best offense, one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, that doesn't mean that he can't play um, because at least, you know, like you said, he was a starter for Indianapolis when he came in. Um, so, like you said, maybe you do catch some lightning in the bottle. Um, but you know, one of the reasons he's probably not there anymore is because they are one of the best offensive lines in football that doesn't mean that he can't play um so we'll see what happens but yeah um you know i think that's important to to note that yeah he might not have played all that much in his last you know year and a half with uh with indianapolis but don't forget they're a pretty damn good offensive line yeah they were i mean but it was built around quentin nelson who is arguably the best offensive lineman in all football regardless of center guard tackle no matter so I think, yes, I, I completely agree with you, Kellen. I like that he's coming from a team like Indianapolis that established itself as, over the years, one of the better offensive lines. Just like, you know, maybe not this past year, how we've talked about in the past, David DeCastro maybe had an off year because of the COVID factors that affected the season. But if if David DeCastro was a free agent in the 2020 offseason uh, a year ago, and he was on the market, people would be loving for him to come. And now I'm not comparing uh, Joe Haig to David DeCastro, but just the fact that you were getting someone coming from the Pittsburgh offensive line who, prior to this past year, was considered one of the elite units in all football, your team would be more than ecstatic about getting one of those pieces. So I agree with Kellen in that point that he's trying to make, that there's really not much that we know about Joe Haig, but the very surface level stuff that we do know about him shows some promise well i think one thing that certainly can be assumed from the signing is that the rumors of big al villanueva potentially finding his way back into pittsburgh have pretty much been squashed or at least i'm 95 percent sure what a roller coaster that guy has had with possibly returning possibly leaving possibly returning again and now with joe Haig, it's looking like it's over and, and the fact that he hasn't been signed anywhere else it's a really bad sign. tells you that Big Al's market is very soft <laughs> out there. And maybe this, I say 95% sure that it's been squashed. Maybe the Steelers do 
get another one-year deal with a guy that we thought was a for sure thing to be gone because the market just isn't there, a la what happened with Juju with Big Al. But they now have three tackles that are, I would feel comfortable saying, legitimate NFL tackles, Zach Banner and uh, Chuksakor for, and now Joe Haig. Maybe Joe Haig having the most pedigree of any of those uh, three. In fact, I will say that because he's the only one that has mm. had a full-time right starting season and he did that twice in indianapolis banner was a starter technically in 2020 of course injury took him down so we talked a lot on steelers standard in the past that you know with free agency and the steelers and their cap situation they're not going to be able to go out and really get any high price talent or even medium price talent it's going to be a lot of diving into the you know walmart target two dollar one dollar movie bins and this is certainly one of those signings, but the thing about those signings in those movie bins, by the way, at Target and Walmart, you can find some gems in there. And I think that there's a little bit of in the back of a lot of people's heads. See the Joe Haig pedigree as a starter. He has a Super Bowl ring when he comes into Pittsburgh. Maybe, you know, him and Ben Roethlisberger are the only guys I think on that roster now that have Super Bowl rings. It's, it's impressive to think about. Yeah. Like, or not impressive is the right word. It's kind of shocking when you think about it that way. But, you know, Maybe this is a guy that can come in and he can kind of recapture the magic that he had earlier in his career. And then all of a sudden you have found yourself a cheap for the next two years tackle. And maybe you can look to sign him a little bit longer after that, because again, he's only 28. So you can still catch some prime years of Hague if he can kind of put it together again. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is, you know, if you sign these guys at the bottom of the barrel, they could work out for you. And then all of a sudden, you know, you can resign them and, uh, you know, and hopefully still have some, some years in the prime um, you guys, you mentioned uh, Al Villanueva, and I was listening to um, a national uh, thing. I think it was on like CBS Sports Radio. I don't remember who it was, one of the national guys, but they were talking about just some of the free agents that are still out there, and they were talking about the offensive line, and they said one of the best um, you know, free agent offensive linemen out there is Al Villanueva, but the dude, whoever it was, I can't remember who it was, immediately said, that's not saying a whole lot. Like The market obviously isn't that good considering – um, that he still hasn't found a home, and there's a lot of other guys out there. Um, but yeah, I just kind of to make that point, like this is uh, this is the writing on the wall for me that that Big Al probably isn't coming back. Um, you know, you sign Joe Haig, who you know we like we've talked about that hasn't done anything spectacular in his career, but this is a cheaper option. And heck, I mean, it might be around the same money that they might br they could bring Big Al back with. But um, I think that this move is the writing on the wall that. Um, Al Villanueva won't be here anymore and again Tom like you were saying it's kind of I don't want to say it's shocking because Big Al hasn't been very good over the last you know hand you know last two or three years but it's a little bit shocking that no one else has taken a flyer on him at this point in addition to that too it's very unsteelers like for them to say no to a piece that they've had for like Big Al that they've had for a couple of years and say, we'd rather go out and get this guy who's bounced around a little bit who we're totally unfamiliar with, right? It's very un-Steelers-like for them to say, we're going to not bring back someone and we're not going to retain them for a little bit longer and just bring in someone new. I mean, we've seen it in the past as uh, we saw last week, uh, the Steelers chose to, uh, I'm totally blanking on. What are you trying to get at here, buddy? It, just refresh my memory. The the offensive lineman who the Steelers signed, Finney. Yeah, B.J. Finney. Bringing back B.J. Finney. How about B.J.? Sorry, bringing back. How about bringing back Chris Wormley instead of going out there and trying to find someone else? 
They do. They brought back Chris Wormley. That's what I'm saying. They brought back the familiar pieces. So doesn't it shock you that they've done Wormley and they've done Finney, but they're not bringing back Big Al and they've gone out and got... doesn't shock me. It kind of feels like they're doing patchwork stuff on the offensive line with a Finney, with a Hag. And those two moves strike me as we're taking a center, we're taking a tackle in the draft. We have expectations for one of the starting tackles to be a rookie, and we really hope that the center that we pick we can really hit a nice home run with and he can be the starter over Finney because these are guys that are going to come in and they're going to compete for starting jobs and they'll push a rookie, but they're no one that a rookie can't beat out and become the starter like the Steelers envision. Big Al, you know, that's a pretty big person to go up against as a rookie in training camp. The fan base loves him. He has Pro Bowls on his resume. But when you go in and your competition is Banner, Haig, and Chooks for two tackle spots between those four people, uh, as a rookie, I'm feeling like I could not only win one of the two, but I could probably be the top guy here and, okay. and really establish myself. And the same thing with the center. A center comes in and looks at B.J. Finney and looks to him for maybe you know advice on how to be a pro because he's been in the league for several years now. But he also looks at him and says, talent-wise, I am way better. I can, I can be, be the starter yeah. than B.J. B.J. Finney being the starter heading into camp is – something I can easily track down in these next three to four weeks at St. Vincent's. Yeah, no, I think that's something that, um, you know, these, you know, whoever it is that the Steelers bring in and hopefully they do um, address those needs in the draft because they do have to do it um, because these guys that they're signing now aren't going to be there in the future. And I think that's the biggest thing here um, too, is that these guys can be kind of stop gaps on the offensive line, you know, for a year or for however long it takes for one of the rookies, one of the rookies that you hopefully do, um, bringing in the draft, it, it can um, be a bridge for them, you know, to kind of maybe it takes three or four games, maybe it takes a whole year. But, you know, these guys that they're signing now aren't going to be here forever. The guys that they will be in the draft will, you know, uh, hopefully be there longer term. Um, and I think that's probably why. I mean, Big Al, I just think, is at the end of his rope. I don't mean to keep going back to him, but um, he's the prime example. I just think, um, you know, he might not find a job for a while in the NFL, and that's pretty surprising. Um, all things considered, like you said, Tom, he does have a couple Pro Bowls um, on his resume and all pro on his resume, too. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate. And the cap is what it is this year. And that might have a little bit to do with it, too. But this might be the end of the rope for him, which is pretty nuts. It could be. Yeah. The other outside hire that the Steelers made was Miles Killebrew, a safety linebacker kind of hybrid player uh, from the Detroit Lions. He. Has played for the Lions from the past since 2016, uh, so five years in Detroit. Uh, not a regular starter, uh, played in every single game for them, and his impact is really felt more so on the special teams side of things than anything else. Also, interesting when you see the fact that he's listed as a strong safety linebacker kind of hybrid. They have that on the roster and Marcus already, Allen already. Yeah. And they clearly, Allen. clearly this is a position or a hybrid position that they're really interested in moving forward, having on their roster and uh-huh. utilizing because not only is this a good special teams hire, but whatever you're planning on using Marcus Allen in whatever role as a guy that you're going to sub in and out of that defense, if he goes down, now you have a guy that has the same kind of build and skill set that can do the same kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, Killebrew, I think, has been like top five in special teams tackles the last handful of years. So obviously, um, he's a special teams demon. Him and Watt 
Yeah. On that special teams. That's they have a lot of good special teams players. Not even mention the captain Jordan Dangerfield. They very quality special teamers on the Steelers. And honestly, this could maybe spell the end for Dangerfield. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. Um but, but I, similar position. This similar position. He plays safety. Um, you know, I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there, but uh, I think the same point could be made for Marcus Allen. Like you, you just illustrated there play the same position pretty much. They have the same body type, that safety linebacker kind of hybrid. Does this spell the end for Marcus Allen? I don't know. You did just sign him, so it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, but that that question has to be raised when you bring in a guy that's almost the exact same type of player that he is. Um, but the thing that popped into my head is that, um, you know, you're losing Mike Hilton, um, who was a, a good blitzer. Uh, and I know that he doesn't play cornerback, does Miles Killebrew, but maybe that's the idea too, is to have another blitzer, you know, another guy that can maybe play a little bit of coverage um, that they can bring off the edge. Kind of like what we talked about doing with Marcus Allen. Now you have another guy that maybe just could be, um, you know, I don't know when you're the nickel or the dime or whatever it is, Killebrew comes in and Killebrew's going to blitz. I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but it does give you another body to maybe try to duplicate what you've done with Mike Hilton. Do you guys see this as a move to kind of make one more so of a defensive focus guy and the other really just special teams instead of using Allen as kind of both as they had this past year or past two years? I think they're going to try to transition Allen into what Kellen was saying, more that Hilton role, because he's a bigger body who could be impactful on the blitz and stopping the run, but he's okay, also so got coverage skills. And I think with a guy like Allen, you don't want to just hand him the keys to the car yeah. and be like, you're the guy now. You're the next Mike Hilton. So you bring in a killer brew to, you know, have another body around making plays at camp, making Allen really have to earn it. Uh -huh. But then I do think if the chips fall where the Steelers hope they will, that Allen will be more defensive sure. and you'll see killer brew make most of his impact on the, the special team side of things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say that doesn't mean that he's not going to play defense because I think you no, know right. you bring him right, in right, right. he's gonna have to play at least but a I little think, bit. I think what it could do is get Allen a lot more defensive snaps. Yeah, than we've I agree seen with in the that. past because you can save him on the special team right. side of things. Right, even you don't though, have to, you don't have to use expense him. Even though, just like how Kellen said, you'll see Killebrew on the defense. Regardless, you'll still see Allen on the special team side of things too. Right. It's not like he's completely untouchable, right. like a TJ Watt or no, someone yeah, that wouldn't course. run down the field on kickoffs or punt coverage. No, 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 no. But it's a role that they definitely need to fill because Mike Hilton was a big part of the defense's identity mm -hmm. for the past three or four seasons. And the contract that he got in Cincinnati, I mean, he earned that through his uniqueness in Pittsburgh. And can he duplicate that in Cincinnati? I think it's going to go to waste. That's a, a question to be asked at a different time. But as far as the Steelers are concerned, they're missing a dynamic part of that defense, yeah. a part of that defense that really contributed to them leading the league in sacks for the past few seasons like they have. And clearly the Marcus Allen signing, I think, was a signal, a signal that – just because Mike Hilton's leaving this kind of style of pass rush, this kind of blitz package isn't going to leave with him. We're going to try to transition it to Marcus Allen. We're going to try to bring in players in the future that kind of fit this mold more. And Killebrew, I think, is also right up that alley. Yeah, I think that's what that tells me is that they're going to try to, you know, keep that sort of Hilton role the best they can with what they have. Um, it might not be easy, and it might not be an easy transition, and all of a sudden you might realize – hey, we can't do this anymore. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe Allen isn't uh, the same guy. And, I, you know, I, I don't think that he is, but based on the packages and the way the Steelers play defense, it still could work just in a different way. And 
Um, I mean, this could blow up in their face, you know, but I do think that either Killebrew and or Marcus Allen are going to try to fill that role or at least a, I don't know, an abbreviation of that role, a different type of that role um, that Mike Hilton provided. And I think the signing of Killebrew really says that because, again, you have two guys that kind of have similar body types, similar positioning, linebacker safety hybrid um, that kind of smells like, hey, we're not done with this yet. Um, you know, I know the old adage is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, well, you kind of lost the biggest part of that. We'll see if it's broken. Um, and, you know, they're trying to fix it now. So we'll see what happens. Well, when they just now re-signed Marcus Allen, it was as instead of that hybrid position as as a possible secondary man linebacker, it was exclusively as as a linebacker, correct? Yeah, I think that's what it was officially listed as. So do you think then that maybe if – could that indicate that they would use Killebrew more so in the secondary and then keep Allen reserved for the the up front, the front seven position? Do you think do you, do you think that it just has nothing to do with it at all, and that was just a formality they had to do? No, I, I think that because they're such similar as far as size is concerned. They're both six foot two, and Killebrew is actually a little bit heavier than Marcus Allen is at two twenty two, where Marcus Allen is two fifteen. Uh, I know that he was technically quote unquote listed as a linebacker, but I, I do think that. He'll be floating around the set. Okay, that's just kind of maybe where you have to put a tag yeah. on him, so you put a tag on him right. that way. And that's why I asked, just because of the way that we discussed. You know, is one going to be more so on defense versus special teams? And now, but with that indication of you know listed as a linebacker, could we see Killebrew more so in the secondary versus Allen linebacking position, even though they are of similar body types? I also think that it's really important to find that kind of pass rush that unique kind of pass rush when you're missing a guy like bud dupree on the opposite side of tj watt so those are your traditional ways of getting to the quarterback and now alex highsmith has some big shoes to fill as far as the traditional route but what made the steelers so dynamic is that they could do it the traditional way and they did it in unique creative ways keith butler getting a lot of credit for that and through mike hilton's unique skill set so now you lose the other side of the coin when it comes to just having two dominant edge rushers. Mm. Now you really need to be able to generate some unique blitzes and some creative things to get those sack totals to the point where you've seen them in the past couple of seasons. And personally, I don't think you can get there if you're the Steelers. I think you're going to see a hit as far as the sacks are concerned this year and the quarterback pressures, not only with Bud Dupree leaving, but the fact that they're going to try to turn that Mike Hilton role over to a 24-year-old in Marcus Allen or a guy in Killebrew who really just hasn't been able to find his way in the NFL. So I think they could be in trouble as far as generating a pass rush is concerned, and it's going to be really interesting to see how these two guys factor into that. Yeah, it is. And again, like I said, I think this is um, an idea to try to replace what you're going to lose in Mike Hilton, but you're not only losing Mike Hilton, you're losing so much on that defense on that defensive side of the ball. Um, you, you know, you talked about Bud. How how does that affect TJ? Um, you know, how does it? Uh, you know, how does the production of Highsmith affect affect TJ? How does losing Vince Williams affect the defense <laughs> as a whole? There's a lot of question marks on the defensive side because you are losing five starters or at least five regulars. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think the Steelers like. You know, we mentioned to start this, like, they're trying to do the best they can with what they have, um, and, and bringing in a guy like Killebrew could help, um, you know, to try to fill that Mike Hilton role. But, um, you know, uh, 
these guys might not end up being Mike Hilton, and then maybe the Steelers have to figure out a different way to play defense. That's going to be unfortunate if it gets to that point, um, but it is a realistic possibility just because of all the guys you're losing on that side of the ball. Definitely, but, I mean, maybe it is up this opportunity for the Steelers to experiment. The fact that they're now down to half of their returning starters for from last year, this gives guys like Killebrew and Allen a chance to kind of step up and say, we can do the things that you tried to do with Mike Hilton, but maybe we could do so, you know, maybe maybe not the exact same way, but to the same effect, to the same end goal, just with, you know, different players and so different schemes. I'm glad you two brought that up because it's exactly where I want to get to in our next episode of Steeler Standard. We're going to wrap this episode up. Thank you, as always, for listening on SNR or if you're listening at Steelers.com via podcast. We always appreciate that. But like I said in the next episode, they got a lot of defensive players that they need to replace on that defense. Almost half of that defense needs to find a replacement player in 2021. Uh, they re-signed someone uh, today that I think is going to step into shoes that have recently been vacated by someone who left for Jacksonville. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that defense and a lot more on the next episode of Steelers Standard. For Jacob Breckett and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Offerman. We'll talk to you next time.